now, if we can move to the next discussion point, and I think we we touched on it a bit uh, previously here uh, when we were talking about um, the systems, and I think I, I used the word custom just once in there. But I think what systems do you think, uh, do you personally think that we've kept in place that have allowed, uh, that have allowed patriarchy and misogyny to continue, which obviously, as we said, eventually is what fuels gender-based violence? Um, I think just, I know we've we've already touched on it a bit, which I think really is the umbrella or the broader, um, you know, things that then have things coming underneath them that kind of perpetuate gender-based violence. But if we then come and we speak about misogyny and sexism, I think those are two very problematic um, things that then fall into many systems that fail women in our country and in the world. And under misogyny, sexism, gender-based violence, we then have um, women being underpaid because they're, they're women in our, in our country and society. Um, we then have women not being able to report cases of assault or uh, gender-based violence because of our corrupt um, government. You know, it's it's systems like those that then begin to start failing women and children time and time again in our society and country. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, like you said, definitely, I think the grassroots problem, as I said, is religious misogyny and patriarchy. But I think uh, an idea that I wanted to allude to, or maybe a point I specifically wanted us to touch it from, was the idea that a lot of people have to say that uh, a lot of the time, it's usually culture and religion that fuel misogyny, you know, or that fuel patriarchy in some sense. Uh, mm. What's your specific stance on that one? So I, I, I like to say to people that, you know, we are in a time and an, a world that is very much evolving mm-hmm. and developing and becoming better than what it was yesterday. So a lot of people do... And we are very much understanding that culture, our culture and religion can be extremely sexist, can be extremely um, misogynistic. But we need to understand that we carry so much power to be able to evolve, evolve our, 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 our religions and our, our cultures, which goes back to something that we spoke about again, choice. We may understand that our religion may be saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and, and we understand that A, B, C, D, E, F, G is problematic, then you then know that as an individual, you have a choice whether you are accepting what your religion is saying mm-hmm. and you know it's, it's problematic or you challenge. Now, when we speak about challenging, that's something that excites me because I think where, they is, where people are challenged Again, there is so much room for growth or de- um, for you to develop that that religion or develop that culture for yourself personally. Mm. So I really think, yes, our cultures and religions can be very, um, you know, misogynistic, can be very sexist. But at the end of the day, you have the choice to accept that or to challenge, challenge yeah. I think also maybe a point that I can also add is to say that uh, we have to also remember something that's very fundamental that we have to remember is that um, a lot of these cultures and religion were, they were shaped and formed 
in the time that they were shaped and formed, you know, or the time they were formed. Uh, meaning that simply what we're saying is like, um, if we maybe take it, let's take it as far back as we can to say that um, maybe back in those days, the, jo- on, the jobs that were only available were jobs maybe that were better suited to men. You know what I mean? Uh, in the sense that maybe would you, would a husband want to send his wife to war, for instance, you know? It's not something that you'd ideally want your wife to do. So perhaps when these like cultures were kind of like instilled, they were instilled on the basis of a certain understanding at the time that was there, you know what I mean? Whereas as as we've moved on, obviously you now have instances where women can work office jobs, you know, women can have executive jobs that don't require any sort of uh, manpower or any sort of like blue collar legs. Mm. So to say that women should not work uh, becomes kind of redundant to some extent, you know, because what we mm. are now saying is that there are jobs that don't require you to have any sort of like maybe physical strength, you know. There's jobs that you can work from home. There's jobs that you can do from the comfort of your own home with your laptop and just a bit of internet connection. So to to, to mm. simply say, for us to simply remain maybe in a culture with a custom that tells us to say a woman should not work is a bit like, it's a bit backward, if anything. You know what I mean? So I 100%. think that's something that, uh, of which I think the word that you used is kind of what uh, puts it in national to say that we just have to evolve our cultures and religions, you know what I mean? Because also by questioning, as you mm. said, what it does is for the culture and religions that we begin to actually grow this culture and religion. And I think by growing it, what it also does is it then becomes more inclusive to a lot of people who maybe have decided yeah. to to distance themselves away from this specific thing because they felt like maybe it was not inclusive to them, you know? Because mm. yeah, no, I, I, I know a lot of times... Um, as even as I speak, uh, maybe in a religious context, for instance, a lot of people decided to move away from religion because they felt as though maybe it was very like misogynistic in how um, it was written or in how it was like translated to us as people. But you realize that if we become more inclusive in our religion, what we're then essentially doing is that we are bringing more people in and by bringing more people in, obviously there's a certain goal that maybe you're trying to, to achieve from a religious context. So it's like killing two two birds with mm. one stone, you know. So I think it's something like you said. Yeah. I think the questioning part is very very fundamental. That we ought to question these cult, um, these customs and religions, um, or these customs that are actually performed within the religion and the cultures. But I think as as I've asked before, or ask again, the question would be then: I think how far do we go in evolve? How far do you go in involving something until it becomes something completely new? <laughs> Like, I, I think that's yeah, something yeah. that's very interesting for me. Like, I've never been able to wrap my head around it as yet. Yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a challenging thing to, to think about because are we capable of evolving something and changing com- completely? 100%. Mm. 100%. We are very much capable of doing that. But I feel like um, from a religious point of view, because I'm extremely re- religious, if you're understanding the reason as to why for myself I'm Christian... And the whole um, Christ- how, what Christianity is, how it be- how it became, how it um, you know if you understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, w- once you're starting to evolve um, your religion, because for me I'm part of the LGBTQIA plus community, and you are definitely going to have people coming to you saying, but if you are Christian and you're praying every night at twelve with your friends, how are you saying you're Christian? But 
you are not straight and the Bible says this, that, and that, and the third. Mm. For me, I am understanding who I am as a person and I've evolved my religion in a way that I understand that it was made in a time where they probably weren't gay people at that mm. time. So it could not have been inclusive to the person that I am. But because I am understanding that in the word, God, God says that he loves and accepts us just the way we are then surely I am I am Christian enough to be I'm enough to be Christian than, than a straight person mm-hmm. is, you know? So it's then it's then again the choice we have. You have a choice to um then really accept what your religion is saying and feel as though you are crazy for being attracted to the same sex, or you then challenge yeah. it and evolve it into something that works for you. Definitely, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely see what you're saying. And I think also, uh, even in, in, like I said, it's something I'm still like getting my head around and I'm still learning the back end of it. But I think um, even if you use like technology as an example to say that a lot of the time, you know, in in the 1970s, 60s, the idea of a self-driving car would have never been a possibility, you know what I mean? Because they were still focusing on mastering the art of a simple car. So as we've gone on in time, or as we are now, a self-driving car is something that exists. You know what I mean? So I think fundamentally, yeah. um, you can evolve and change something to the point where maybe if one had not seen it from a certain point, they'd have thought it's something completely new. But having said that, I think as we go on also, I think maybe that's the reality of life to say that as we go on, obviously the people who had maybe certain notions uh, attached to a religion or certain notions attached to cultures, they also begin to like fade away in history. You know what I mean? So as we go on, as you, mm. as you said, it's like, if you, I think if you speak to any past of instance in the modern day and age, it's not, some, they're not oblivious to the fact that there's a LGBTQIA plus community that exists. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, I think it's an issue, as you said, of acceptance to say that it's either they're just choosing to be ignorant or they're now choosing to be inclusive of it. Because as we are, 100%. we've gotten to the point where I think ignorance now in the modern day and age has become a choice. Because mainstream media has made it a point to to kind of like to show every element and facet of life altogether, understand? So mm, I yeah. think to, for us to continue to to want to tie misogyny and patriarchy and sexism within our customs uh, is definitely just the issue of ignorance. It's definitely just I think it yeah. simply at this point be an issue of ignorance because I think we now know what's currently happening. We now know exactly what it is we need to do to change it. So I think uh, it then falls on us as people to make the choice and the decision to say that uh, we want to maybe adapt and modify this, you know, the specific practice that mm. is, is being done uh, for us to, to be more inclusive to people, for us to, to protect our women. Because I think fundamentally yeah. that's just the issue to protect your women. And I think maybe even going back to the first point, to say that when we're protecting a woman, let's not think of it as, as protecting in a physical context, you know what I mean? Don't think of it as, as you saying that you now have to walk your sister everywhere she goes around the whole country, whatever. But to protect is to just say, yeah. by you protecting the next female who you don't even know, what you've done is you protected your sister because yeah. that same man who's doing whatever it is that he's doing to that female or that woman, he could have just done the same thing to your sister. So protecting exactly. her should trans. You should see you should see your own loved one in every other woman that you come across. Understand? 
that way I think it becomes much yeah. easier to want to protect you know uh, other women aside from just seeing them as a pure human being but maybe if we can even bring it closer to home because as as we said it's a, I think it's a human bias that we all have you know regardless of whether we want to believe it or not to say that we we are sometimes more inclined to things that affect us so I think once you begin to say yeah. let me see let me see my, my, my partner in this woman. Let me see my, my mother in this woman. Let me see my sister in this woman. That way, I'm more inclined to want to protect her. You know what I mean? Or see this yeah, man as somebody who thing. could potentially be doing the exact same thing doing there to somebody you love. So I think it will become much easier to, to, to definitely deal yeah. such cases. Mm, I think that's just very much progressive thinking, which is what we need. But you know what I've just noticed right now in just having this conversation is how many times we've referred back to choice. Mm-hmm. Choice. We've spoken about choice so many times, which really just amplifies how much an individual, how much power an individual has about knowing about certain um, issues that are happening mm-hmm. in our world or country. Mm-hmm it really goes to show that we do have... The ball is literally in your court. If you're sitting, listening to this podcast right now, you've made a choice Mm. because you wanted to educate yourself and wanted to be part of a conversation, um, which is very, very much important in our our country. Um, And now you then have a choice to um, accumulate the knowledge that you get from this podcast um, and just sit with Mm -hmm. it, or you then go and educate other people to keep this conversation going. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think uh, we, we relate back to choice a lot in our conversation. And I think, um, mm. I think as you were even saying that, I was thinking of uh, some of the stats and figures that we see uh, day in and day out in terms of uh, GBV that's happened in the country. I think uh, the last time, I think it was one in every three women or one in every four has a yes. chance of being raped. Being raped in the last time. If we, if we think about that stat alone, if it's saying one in every four women, uh, if we try to correlate it maybe directly to to men, obviously it's not how stats works. But if we try maybe just to 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 just get like a to just get a baby understanding of it, it could be the same as saying maybe one in every four men are doing the same thing. So somewhere in our lives, I think we do know people who continue to perpetuate a certain culture. You know what I mean? We do know people that continue yeah. to perpetuate a rape culture. So I think, like you said, in us keeping quiet, in us not wanting to educate ourselves in us um, being reluctant to speak on it, it's a choice we are taking to say that we are essentially choosing the path of not protecting our women. We're essentially choosing to say that we don't want to protect our women. And that's that's fundamentally the choice that we're making. And I think uh, we can try to run away from it as yeah. much as we want, but uh, the truth of the matter will always remain. We can't even sugarcoat it. It literally is that exactly. It's, exactly it's like seeing someone being murdered and really just going about your life as if that person was, that? was not shot and killed right in front of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think, yeah, I think, I think the, the, the way that we used to say, it, it's definitely, I think it's a, it's a matter of choice and the issue of choice uh, that we are now dealing with uh, in this current context. But also, having said that, um, mm. I think maybe if we can use um, the, the, the next discussion point also was to say that how can we tie what's happening in South African, what's happening in a South African context to the rest of the world uh, maybe if I can even like give an example, I know the men are trash hashtag that's con- consistently used uh, was actually started in South mm-hmm. Africa. How do you get to a point where you're able to tie maybe that specific hashtag 
to say that the rest of the world, as they see it, they must understand what, where, what it's tied to, just as we do maybe uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement. You know what I mean? As soon as somebody sees it, they really understand that Black Lives Matter means mm. this and that and stands for this and that. How, we, how do we tie our message that we're trying to get across to say that in GBV in South Africa or in, uh, in sort of gender-based violence in South Africa through a hashtag to the rest of the world? Yeah, I think that, again, would then stem from you wanting to educate yourself. As much as we, because the Me Too movement wasn't started in South Africa, we would have seen that movement and then read about it and understood what it's about. Mm. So I feel as though that's what, you know, other countries could be doing for the hashtag Men Are Trash movement. But that, 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 that hashtag is so powerful and something that I live by every single day. And I'm continuously preaching. Mm. And because I'm continuously preaching it, I'm always engaging in interesting conversations with males about this specific hashtag. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm always getting the same response. Mm, men being, <laughs> what's the word that they always use? They, if they're offended mm. by the time, yeah. you know? Um, that's the response that I am continuously getting. And then that again just, highlights how uneducated they are about the movement because if you are educated about the movement the title wouldn't be an issue mm-hmm. to you you know so that that then also comes down to my answer to your question as to how do we then kind of go about understanding different movements or different struggles that different countries may be facing simply is being interested and in not just really worrying about what's happening in South Africa or me, what's happening in Durban because I live in Durban, but really just being socially aware mm-hmm. as to what is going on in society and wanting to know more. Like I personally am a very curious person. I'm not just going to see a headline writing Black Lives Matter and just move past it. I will read that article, mm-hmm. you know, even mm-hmm. if it's not happening in South Africa. And that's what people genuinely need to be. But how can we get to these places i really think this is what we can start we can start instilling this in schooling environments um so i know i know when i was still in high school we used to have um we used to have tests where we would be tested about like what's happening in and around the world those things need to be done religiously Mm -hmm. you know it must you know students need to get to a point where they are knowing what's happening in and around the world just because they need to know, not because they're writing a test. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, maybe to also pose another question, uh, what's your specific stance, um, obviously, on the men who then say, or who take up the, the, the counter argument to say not all men? First of all, <laughs> that's a very interesting question. You know, these conversations are, are honest. I love having these conversations because... Uh, they are very interesting. But I, you, you see me laughing because, you know, I, I'm just thinking of the many encounters that I've had. Men shouting in my face is very interesting. But, you know, um, when men really do come come to me with that stance, I have many different responses. Firstly is, why is a title of a movement hurting your feelings when a woman is being killed right now or raped by someone as we're speaking? Mm-hmm. Because then, 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 then that just puts it into perspective for men. Because I feel like some men are really ignorant and they're not thinking about this. You're not putting it into perspective. We can sit and say one in every woman are being raped. Every woman is being raped. I think it's every three minutes or I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. 
And once I start saying that in, in your face, and I'm like, okay, this movement's name is hurting your feelings, okay? I, I take that into consideration. But why is that a bigger issue than the fact that there is a woman dying right mm. now? And then, then we spoke about how people tend to um, take things more seriously when it comes back right back home. So I sometimes then think about um, very creative ways of getting getting my message across, through yeah. to men. Um, and then I start saying, how is a title hurting your feelings when the fact that your younger sister will be raped in her lifetime is not an issue to you? It's not that she literally will she will get raped in her lifetime at the rate that it's going in South Africa. It's not that she might, she will. She will be sexually sexually assaulted or raped in her lifetime. Mm. Why is that not an issue to you? And why is the title of a movement an issue? Definitely. So it's it's just it's always around the title. And also my, my, my question is always why is the title the issue to you if you have not perpetuated all of these interesting things against mm. women, you know? If and then that's when I kind of see are we educated about what this movement is about? Do we actually know what 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 we're talking about? Do we know what catcalling is and how, how it makes a woman feel? Do we know what sleeving is? You know, that's one thing that I came to understand. A lot of men don't know what sleeving is. It's and it's shocking. It is absolutely shocking. So it's really just in- interesting conversations that we 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 get into. And for me, I really love starting them because it's not even on a because I feel like I'm highly educated. I want to be seen. I really am interested and I want to know what men think. And I really, I really, at the end, my goal is for you to learn from me and for me to learn from you. Because then I now learn conversational skills. I now know how to engage in conversation mm. with people because you, because of how you respond. People respond differently, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, like you said in your point, I should say that I think a lot of the time what happens to a lot of men... Um, and maybe I can also attest to this, is that usually when you see when you see a hashtag of that nature, I think the only time it ever actually affects you is when you realize or when you are aware, fully aware that you have actually been in a position where you've perpetuated this culture before. Because mm. if you were not the target market of the, of the, the hashtag, there should be no offense that you take to it whatsoever, you know? Yeah. So a lot of the time, I think the reason men feel so offended or they feel like it's directed towards them is because they know they're perpetuating the culture in some shape, form or manner, you know, of which mm. if you, I think the first thing that you have to do, and maybe this is uh, advice that they can take is to understand that because of the, the, the society that we grow up in that feeds us a certain um, narrative and idea is that at some point in your life, you'd have, you've probably fed into it. You know? But uh, it's essential that you yeah. take accountability to say that, Perhaps it could be something like catcalling, you know what I mean? We can't say it's something minor and it's something that uh, does not perpetuate the culture because it does. And altogether, we are trying to advocate for it to stop. So whether it was just that for you, you know what I mean? You have to take accountability and say, this is something I did. And in some shape, uh, form or manner, I did perpetuate the culture. I did feed feed into the culture. But um, essentially what we're then doing is to say that by you then acknowledging, you then must take the stance to say, I'm going to then work on myself. Or I'm then taking the, the route, like you said, to say, I'm taking the choice to just educate myself, you know, so that I can eradicate this mm. sort of idea within me. Because we have to understand that 
these are narratives that we are we are fed by society you know what i mean like i, I think if we can i think we've, we've all had interactions with uh, little children from the ages of about three four two years old and you know that from the time that they're born they don't really know any of these things that we are then uh, fed of which that's where you realize that a lot of the things that we then perpetuate as we grow up are things that we are taught you know it's things that we learn and it's not this it's not just things that we're born with there's no one who's born sexist there's no one who's born misogynistic but as you grow up these are things that you are kind of uh, taught so i think the, the 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 fundamental part is to take accountability for it and actually understand that you have perpetuated the culture in some shape from former manner you know what i mean but once you understand that, it's then mm. to ask yourself, how have I done it and how can I change it? You know, then I think from there, we can actually begin to take like baby steps. And for a lot of people who do say not all men, I think it's also important that we understand that a movement does not mean uh, it's anti, because it stands for one thing, it doesn't mean it's anti another thing. You know what I mean? And I think we, we yeah. see it a lot, uh, even in the Black Lives Matter movements, where a lot of uh, non-Black people feel attacked because they think that a Black Lives Matter movement is anti-all lives. It's not anti-all lives, lives. you know what I mean? All it's saying is to say Mm. that we are in a position where we are are made to feel less than, we are made less than, you know what I mean, in terms of systems that are created. Mm. So what we're trying to say is bring us to an equal playing field, which is what Men Are Trash is trying to say, that there are men who are actually perpetuating this culture, you know what I mean? We cannot be oblivious to that. So for the men who are perpetuating this culture, what we're saying is you guys are trash. That's just the truth of the matter. Then from there, what we're then saying yeah. is, let's learn. You know what I mean? Like, identify yourself. If you are unlearn. the person who is being referred to, and learn what it is that you're doing, the trashy behavior, and yeah. learn a new behavior altogether. So I think for as long as we continue to say, not all men, and we try silence, you know, the cries of women. Because also, I think, like you said, uh, and I think you, you did make a good point to say, a lot of the time, even when you counter the argument, it's just to say that, why is it so important for you to try clear your name if you know you haven't done anything as opposed to a woman who's trying to say that I just want to be safe or to feel safe in a country, you know what I mean? Is it really mm. of fundamental importance to you that you should take your time, even if it's on a tweet? Like, I, I, a lot of people usually say, you know, it's my Twitter, I'm allowed to do what I want, or it's my social media, I'm allowed to post what I want. But you have to understand that by you then posting like a hashtag, like not all men, what you're doing is you're silencing the actual craft for a woman who's actually going through something, you know what I mean? So yeah, to you, it's just a tweet, but you have to I, remember that a hundred tweets accumulated together can easily start some sort of a movement, you know what I mean? So I think that's something yeah. that a lot of people need to understand. Yeah. And I just think, you know, hashtags like not all men and uh, I don't know if you heard about the good men stand up one, you know, hashtags like that are just so problematic because they are undoing so many things that we are trying to change, you know, Um, and they are giving men a blanket, like a kind of safety blanket Mm -hmm. to a scapegoat and to make them feel as though, you know what, you're doing wrong, but it's not that wrong because there's just a few of you that are Mm -hmm. good. And we do understand that we are really part of a society that does generalize. Because another, another, another argument that people come with, this is just a generalization. It's not all of us. But if we're being quite honest, when you are speaking about this, there's so many stereotypes and generalizations like blondes are stupid or black people are loud. That's literally how we operate as a society. Mm. And and it being 
um, men are trash, I think was so great in the way that it kind of supports this culture of accountability because who who is raping our women? Yeah. It's not a cat. Yeah. It's not a dog. Yeah. It's men. So why must we now say it's Sipo and what, what, you know, let's say men are doing mm-hmm. this because men are doing this and they need to take accountability. Mm-hmm. So that's one point that I wanted to make to what you had to say. And then a second point was, I really need people to understand that when we speak about society, we are part of the society Definitely. and we create, we make the society. So we keep, we, you know, we always have this vocabulary of society is doing this, society is doing that, society is doing this. We have the power to undo that because we are part of society. And so I need people to understand that you are part of the society that is problematic. You have a voice. You have so much power to change what society is maybe doing that's problematic. Firstly, being gender-based violence and misogynistic actions and, you know, um, sexism. We have the power to undo that. Definitely. And I think also another point that you can even add to to the idea, like you said, where women are being raped. So the question that we are posing or women are being uh, violated, the question we're then posing is who's doing it? And the answer is men. And a lot of the time you do get men who then feel like, you know, they, they aren't included in the conversation because they aren't participating. In it. But uh, I think it's important that we understand that, um, even the men who are keeping quiet on this uh, conversation or the men who are then choosing to, to be silent are actually serving as like tools to what's going on. You know what I mean? So mm. I think that's why men are trash is important as a movement altogether. You know what I mean? So men are trash should not just be limited to the men who are actually just committing this crime, but even the men who are choosing to be quiet when they see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, a lot of the time uh, we, we use the idea and this is an, uh, this is an idea that um, a lot of time has been used in laws to say that silence means consent. Meaning that over saying that people who are silent in matters of um, injustice I essentially say Justice. that continue perpetuating what it is they're doing because it doesn't affect me. And that in itself is very problematic. You know what I mean? That in itself has to be dealt with. And I think a second point that I also wanted to raise, um, like you said, you get movements where you get uh, the one where good guys stand up. And what we need to understand also as a society or as a people altogether is that a man who does not rape is not a good man. A man who does not rape is a normal man. You know what I mean? Because what what defines a good person at all? There's at there's all? essentially nothing because what we're saying is that a person who doesn't rape is normal because raping is just not a normal act. You know what I mean? A person who it's does not, not lay his hands yeah. on a woman is not like a stand up guy. There's nothing stand up about that. It's a normal action you're taking. You know what I mean? So I think we mm. also have to we have to definitely get to a point where we're running away from the narrative where men are made to believe that by them not doing the vile, evil acts, they are then considered good. You know what I mean? Because also what that does, mm. what that does is I think to some degree, and I think you did say it, it definitely does perpetuate the culture more and more and more every day. Because what you're then doing is to say that it's, it's like you, you're bringing, the, the, the line is then kind of made blurry, if that makes sense. Because what you're saying is a man who doesn't do this is good. So a man who does maybe catcalling isn't too bad because at least he's not doing the, the most vile of vile acts. Whereas I think if we if yeah. we bring the bar back to where it belongs to say that a man who doesn't do this is normal, anything that then transcends the normal is considered bad. You know what I mean? 
Whereas when yeah. we kind of bring this normal to to a standard of good, what we are then doing is cat calling is like okay, it's not too bad, you know what I mean? Like you you kind of put degrees mm. to these things. Whereas I think we should not categorize these things at all. We should just say men should just stop. Um, I think all the actions altogether, and we should just get to a point where people should just start acting normal. You know, like catcalling is not a normal thing. Yeah. I've always said, uh, even in my own mm. instance, if I were to be catcalled as I was walking, I don't think I'd feel very comfortable. You know what I mean? Like I really would not feel comfortable as I am as a man. So I can only imagine what more for women who are actually in danger or who actually face. Mm you know, the threat, like when we're referring to threat, meaning like a real life threat. So it's definitely something that um, needs to be worked on and something that needs to be changed altogether also.